This is the Dodd Pod. This is the Dodd Pod with Derek Dodson. With Derek Dodson. Welcome to the first snack drawer episode on the Dodd Pod. These snack drawer episodes are a concept I came up with because when I was younger, I had this snack drawer in my house. And in this snack drawer were a gang of different snacks. And every time I went to the snack drawer, I was hoping that the snacks I wanted were in there. For example, the gummy hamburgers, the granola bars, chips. Of course, sometimes you go in there and the only thing in there is like those disappointing snacks, like the oatmeal cookies or the box of raisins. And those snacks just kind of linger in there forever until someone finally throws them away. But anyway, the concept behind these episodes is to provide a snack drawer full of topics. So in these episodes, I'll just be talking about things I'm interested in or things that I find helpful and others might find helpful. In this first snack drawer episode, I'm going to be talking about this model of well-being that I came across in this book I'm reading. The book is called Altered Traits, Science Reveals How Meditation Changes Your Mind, Brain, and Body. The authors are Daniel Goleman and Richard Davidson. Both Goleman and Davidson are pioneers in the field of meditation. They brought meditation over from the east to the west. They're a big reason why meditation is here. They're really pioneers in the field of science specifically. They study meditation and the benefits of it. And the reason that they've dedicated their lives to studying it is because they are practitioners of meditation, longtime practitioners, and they've experienced the benefits and wanted to prove these benefits through science. In this book, they talk about this, this model of well-being. It's called the six-arm model of well-being. This lady named Carol Riff created this, this model, and they found that these six capacities are key to a person's well-being, a person's sense of contentment in life, happiness in life. And these six capacities are self-acceptance, personal growth, autonomy, mastery, satisfying relationships, and life purpose. The reason I really wanted to talk about this is because they found that meditation cultivates each of these capacities. Meaning that through a personal meditation practice, you can cultivate a sense of well-being. You can cultivate self-acceptance, personal growth, and so on. I really, I really resonated with this because I practice, I've been practicing meditation probably a year and a half or two years now. And just in that year and a half to two years, I've experienced all of these benefits. I really feel like I am cultivating each one of these through my meditation practice, which is translating to my day-to-day life. So I thought I would share how each of these aspects is being cultivated in my life through meditation. On this six-arm model of well-being, the first arm is self-acceptance, also known as self-love, loving yourself. And this is really the foundation of well-being. In order to live a life of contentment, live happily, you have to accept yourself. You have to love yourself. And it really translates to some of these other capacities that I'm going to be talking about today. So self-acceptance is definitely something that I cultivated through my practice of meditation. In the book, Riff describes self-acceptance as being positive and honest with yourself and shares that a non-judgmental self-awareness is needed. 
So what really prevents people from accepting themselves is that voice in their head, right? I know at least for me, it was that voice in my head. That, that chatter in our, in our minds is often our worst critic, right? It tells us why we're not good enough. It rehashes old mistakes. And the cycle continues and continues and continues. And not only that, but the mind also puts conditions on our happiness. We may only be happy once we accomplish this goal. And then we accomplish that goal. And then all of a sudden we have this new goal. No, we'll be happy once we accomplish this. And the goalpost keeps on moving. And it's never ending. If we're looking for our happiness in achieving something or in finding another person to love, we're not going to find it. We really have to find it within ourselves. And meditation has helped me to do that. Because I really came to the conclusion through meditation that I'm not my thoughts. I've been giving way too much power to my thoughts. And they have way too much control over my life. So there's a great quote that goes right in line with this. And the quote is something to the effect of, the mind is a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. And so often, we allow our minds to be our masters, our minds to dictate our decisions, reacting to what, our mind, what comes up in our minds. And through meditation, you're able to develop this non-judgmental self-awareness, where you're able to simply notice the thoughts that arise in your mind without feeling the need to judge them as good or, or bad thoughts, to take them personally as if your thoughts are who you are. And this is really liberating. So more specifically, the way meditation has helped me to do this is because when I'm, I, just uh, for the record, I, I practice insight meditation, and I also practice some loving kindness meditation, but insight meditation is the main meditation I do. And when I'm practicing insight meditation, I'm simply sitting down, my eyes closed. It's an internal journey, internal investigation in a way. And I'm just note and I'm focusing my attention on my breath. So as I'm inhaling and exhaling, I'm feeling the breath on a spot in my nose as it comes in and out, in and out. And I'm just focusing on my breath. And naturally, what's going to happen is a thought will appear and take our attention away from our breath. And we might be lost in that thought for a minute, 30 seconds five minutes, whatever it may be. But eventually you realize, oh, hey, I just got lost in this thought. I'm supposed to be focusing on my breath right now. So you bring your attention back to your breath. And then you continue focusing on your breath and another thought may appear and take your attention away. And this time you might notice it quicker and then you bring your attention back to your breath. And as you practice insight meditation or, or whatever meditation you're doing more and more, you start to strengthen that non-judgmental self-awareness. Because as you're practicing during a meditation session, you're not taking your thoughts personally. You're just noticing the thoughts arise, just like in the sky. So there's a good comparison of, of the sky, right? We have the sky, and then we have clouds. Some clouds kind of linger there a little longer. Some go by quickly, but they come and go, right? And then the, the actual sky is our awareness. It's, it's there. We're able to notice it. It's not going anywhere. But those clouds, a.k.a. the thoughts, the emotions, whatever it may be, are coming and going. And this translates to your day-to-day life because instead of really believing everything that comes to your mind or when you do start believing it, you notice, hey, look how much power I'm giving to this thought right now. And you don't get mad at yourself or beat yourself up about it. You do it with a sense of gentleness. And, and for me, I kind of do it 
in a way where I'm kind of laughing at it or just kind of amused or curious about it. Like, oh, wow, look how, look how that thought took my attention. Look how much power I'm giving to that thought. I was really believing that for a second. And as you do it more and more, you create this space between you and your thoughts. And your mind also quiets down. So I think that's a, a key to self-acceptance because really the barrier to accepting ourselves is our minds. So meditation definitely cultivates a sense of self-acceptance. And self-acceptance is really the key to happiness, in my opinion. The second arm of well-being is personal growth. I think in life, we all want to grow as individuals, as human beings, and continue evolving. And we get a sense of fulfillment and joy in evolving and growing as human beings. Riff describes personal growth as feeling that you continue to change and develop towards your full potential. Reconciling acceptance with growth, or in other words, acknowledging that you can accept yourself and love yourself right now, and also want to continue growing because we all have room for growth. Personal growth for me is really an internal thing. It definitely can be an outer thing as far as health and, and things of that sort. But meditation has really helped me to grow in a, in a way of breaking down these negative thought patterns I have and these negative habits I have. So with cultivating that non-judgmental self-awareness, you start to notice things you are doing that may be hurting you or holding you back. You may start to realize these models that you have in your head of how things are supposed to be and how it's affecting maybe your relationships. So an example of this comes from my personal life. I'm a person who's very punctual. I'm always on time. I even get made fun of it sometimes. Like if, if I tell you I'm going to pick you up at 5.30, I'm literally going to be there at 5.30. So when plans don't go as planned, a lot of times I would have a lot of negative self-chatter. I'd feel kind of upset, uneasy. But now when plans don't go my way, I start to notice, hey, look how I'm reacting. I wonder, why am I reacting this way? We're just running a few minutes late. Is it really that big of a deal? So I, I, then I investigate this. I'm able to investigate this, not judging it, just out of curiosity. Okay, well, why could this be? And then I come to realize that I need to control things. I have this need to control. I, I want to make sure things go on exactly as I want. And when things aren't going uh, as I would like them to, it frustrates me. So this kind of showed me that I had this pattern of trying to control everything versus letting things be, right? Because really we have so little control of things. This might also manifest in relationships, right? For example, maybe, oh, I had the perfect example in my podcast with Ashley. She called me a know-it-all which I guess can be an, a hurtful word for sure. But I didn't take it this way. Although initially when she said this, I had this, this very angry or, or upset response internally. And then I had to kind of take a step back. Like, wait, that word should not be upsetting me that much. Why is it upsetting me so much? So I noticed these patterns I have. So instead of reacting I can start responding. And I think that was huge for my personal growth, uh, just developing that awareness so I can be aware when I'm reacting instead of responding. Another key in personal growth 
is honesty. Sometimes the hardest person to be honest with is ourselves. And sometimes we don't even know that we're being dishonest with ourselves because we hide behind thoughts and ideas that we're clinging on to just to avoid the truth. And until something really bad happens or really upsetting or really tragic or hurtful to a relationship, we don't notice. So it takes something really bad for us to notice. But meditation and awareness allows you to be aware when you're being dishonest with yourself and to really go into uncomfortable feelings, which can be hard. I think that's the hardest part about being honest with ourselves is sometimes we have to face things about the way we're living or about the way we're doing things that we don't necessarily like. But in order to change those things, we have to first become aware of them. And then once we become, once we become aware of them, then we can start noticing those patterns and, and start changing them. So this has been huge for me. One thing that has helped me to do, and this goes back to being a know-it-all, is when I'd have conversations with Ashley, I would feel the need to have to say everything that I know and, and convince her that I'm right. And it, it, that can be annoying for another person. Like, dude, let me just talk and have my own opinions and my own beliefs. And, if, and there's a way to discuss things without being so ego-driven in a way. And I didn't realize I was doing this for a while. But as I cultivated this awareness, I noticed, hey, why am I pushing this so much? Why, like, we're, this is a simple conversation. Why do I need to do this? So being honest with yourself is hard. It hurts. Like, when I realized I was doing that, like, it doesn't feel good. You just, I was just like, damn, I've been a jerk. <laughs> like, I, I'm really not being a great listener. But since I've become aware of it, I've been able to change that pattern. And now our conversations are better than ever. Now we can actually have conversations, discussions with give and take where we're really considering others, each other's perspectives. And, and it's so much better. So I think that's one, one thing that's interesting is a lot of times with growth comes a little suffering in some way. A lot of times when we've grown the most is when we suffered the most. Sometimes it takes people hitting rock bottom in ways, right, before they make that big change. But what's awesome about meditation and cultivating this awareness is you can change these patterns before you do hit, hit rock bottom, before your relationship does hit a point of no return or whatever it may be. So that's just something that I'm really grateful for in terms of my meditation practice and how it's translating to my day-to-day life. I'm, I'm just a year and a half, two years in. So it's funny, like I've been experiencing uh, so many benefits and cultivating these capacities, but I also know that there's so much more I'm still learning and that some of these ideas I have and my thoughts uh, and opinions and way of articulating these things is only going to grow and evolve as I continue to practice. Next arm of well-being is autonomy, or if you're looking for a synonym, it's independence. Yes, I definitely looked up this word because before I read this book, I did not know what autonomy meant. I could have probably guessed, but probably would have been wrong. But anyway, Riff describes autonomy as independence in thought and action, freedom from social pressure, and using your own standards to measure yourself. 
And I think all three of those things are extremely important in order to feel contentment in life, in order to be happy. Nothing drags us down more than being forced when you feel like you're forced to buy into an idea and that's not true to you. I guess what really drives us crazy is when we're not true to ourselves. You could just feel it in your body when you do something that's not true to you. I think what really prevents us from being true to ourselves is when we don't accept ourselves. And that's why I said this is a foundation of well-being. When we don't accept ourselves, we start looking outside of ourselves for approval or acceptance or love. And when we do that, we now gave up our power in a way. We gave up our independence because now our happiness, our well-being is going to be um, according to the standards of this person or what these people are doing on social media or, or whatever it may be. Social media is a really strange place because everyone kind of just highlights. It's just really a highlight reel, right, of your best moments. I know everyone has probably heard that before, but it really is. People just post the best of the best of their lives, which, of course, like, why are you going to post something depressing? You want to post the coolest things. I'm not hating on it. But when we're measuring ourselves to, for example, Instagram posts, you're going to have a difficult time because there's people that are more financially successful than you. There's people that are different positions in your life than you. So, for example, people might post a picture of their new car, of their new house, their family, and you're just like, what? I don't even have a girlfriend. I don't have a boyfriend, right? And then they're over here with their family and their house, and it can make you feel behind the curve. But once again, you're, you're measuring on those standards. Or you see those Instagram models, male or female, and you're just like, damn, I need to work out. I need to do this. And you might need to work out, but measuring ourselves to those is just kind of unrealistic. And we're doing that because we're not really accepting ourselves how we are. And that kind of goes back to finding that balance of being able to accept yourself, but also recognize that you can grow. But the key there is you accept yourself. And when we accept ourselves, we're free from social pressure. We're free from measuring ourselves up to other people's standards. Social pressure is a really interesting thing because I think we're a very reactionary society. We oftentimes react instead of responding reacting to our emotions, right, our media emotions, instead of really thinking things out. And meditation has really allowed me to slow down and to notice what emotions and thoughts arise and just be with them for a minute before I respond. Maybe if I'm having a conversation or someone posts a political post or social justice post or whatever it may be, instead of just responding instantly, which is so tempting and so easy to do, Meditation cultivates this awareness where you're able to notice what's appearing or arising, take a step back, and really sit with it. And it's really allowed me to be more open because I found that through meditation, I've cultivated this ability to not be tied to my ideas. My ideas aren't me. I might have ideas, but these ideas can change just like everything else in this world changes. So when I come with this approach now when people might have these ideas of what's wrong in society or why this is wrong or this is good, this person is bad, this person is good. 
I can kind of just take a step back and be like, well, let me just kind of investigate both sides. Maybe you're right, but let me see before I just have this emotional reaction where I'm telling you, you're wrong, this is the way it is, or, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right, and because it's feeding into my model of things. So it's really allowed me to, like I said, take a step back and really analyze the situation as a whole. Let me view some different perspectives. And if it's really something I care about, let me look into it more. Because those emotional reactions so often are bad. Just think about when you are having a conversation with someone when you're upset and how often that conversation goes to a bad place versus if you kind of just went to your room or went for a walk and then had that discussion, that discussion is going to look completely different. Because when we react, it's usually trash. Our reactions are trash. So this, this was huge for me in terms of meditation, allowing me to, to not be so tied to my ideas, to not look for acceptance outside of myself, to not compare myself. I know these things might sound cheesy, but it's so true. If, if we want independence and in thought and action, we do have to accept ourselves. So then we're no longer measuring ourselves to other people. We have our own standards. We know how we can grow, where we need to grow. We know what makes us feel good, what doesn't. So those are some of the ways that meditation has really cultivated that sense of independent and thought and action, that, that freedom from social pressure, and really the freedom to create my own standards for myself. Now this next arm of well-being is mastery. Riff describes mastery as a, being able to navigate life's complexities, being aware and capitalizing on opportunities, creating situations that suit your needs and values. Meditation has really helped me to accept that everything is constantly changing. And I think that is one of the hardest things to accept. I think that's where most of our complexities in life come is from change change from our normal routine change that's out of our control when i meditate i'm really noticing that one my thoughts are constantly changing coming and going coming and going each moment and each meditation session is completely different one day i might have this great meditation session or at least like in my mind it's great they're all great when you look at them but Great in the sense that, oh, wow, my mind is so quiet today. I got into this flow state today. Wow. And in other days, you're just constantly bringing your attention back to your breath because your mind is super busy those days. So there's this attitude in meditation that they call beginner's mind. And what beginner's mind really is, is approaching each meditation session as if it were your first time meditating, kind of like think of a, of a baby, right? All every experience a baby is having, for the most part, is like a completely new experience. Their first time eating this, their first time seeing this, right? So they're just so open and and going with the flow and enjoying it all, right? So I kind of try to. So what I guess meditation has done for me is allowed me to accept change and to not put limits or expectations on everything just because something was like this yesterday doesn't mean it's like this really to approach life 
and each moment as new. And when life does get hard and does get difficult, I have this awareness where I'm able to be with the difficult feelings. So when those rough times do come, okay, it's going to suck. I'm not going to say that suffering doesn't suck just because I meditate. No, suffering sucks. Uh, Sadness, anger, frustration, impatience, all those feelings suck. They're not pleasant feelings. But what meditation has helped me to realize is that they are all passing. None of our emotional states remain, right? We're constantly in this flux of different emotions throughout our day. We might wake up feeling energized. Then later we might feel like we're lacking some motivation. We might feel sad, happy. We go through a wide range of emotions just in a single day. Meditation has really helped me to be aware of this. So when I do feel sadness or anger or frustration, I'm not running from it. I'm not shoving it down. I can simply be with it. And this is where I think capitalizing on opportunities, which is part of mastery, also comes in. Because our suffering and those difficult emotions can be opportunities for personal growth, where we can investigate things that we have been avoiding or things that we are unaware of. Oftentimes, I used to think of opportunities just as as good things, right? Things that are clear as day, like, oh, you have this job opportunity or someone's offering you or, or whatever it may be. But life is full of opportunities when we're aware. And I think meditation, just simply being present, also allows you to kind of see those synchronicities in life. It's, it's really strange, especially if you talk about like law of attraction, when you really want something in the world or have this vision for yourself. It's funny that it seems like the world really will work for you. Some people will say it's God, the universe, um, a higher power, whatever you want to call it. But There's plenty of examples of the world working with us um, when we want something. And in order to see those doors being open and those opportunities that are being given to us, we really have to be aware of them and not worry so much about the end results and just kind of trust our own intuition. I think this is another part of mastery. I'm not even really sure how to describe intuition. I know for me, it's like that gut feeling and you just know when something feels right. But when our mind is so noisy and we're not really present in the moment, it's hard to connect with that. Because when something feels right, you, it's, it's, I don't know, it's indescribable in a way. You just feel it and you kind of have to trust it. And I think meditation has allowed me to be at a place where I can be more present more often. And I can notice when something is right for me and when something isn't right for me. And that kind of helps me set up situations in my life that kind of suit my needs and and my values in life because I'm more connected with my own truth, what's right for me and what's not. So this is a little bit about mastery. And I think meditation is huge for navigating life's complexities, especially going into those those dark times, like I said, because so often what we want to do is shove down the negative emotions but they always come back in some form or another. We can only distract ourselves for so long, and sometimes they come back stronger and stronger, and then you might be dealing with anxiety or, or whatever it may be. Something that's kind of coming to my mind is something that I hear a lot during yoga, and that's 
really trusting yourself and trusting your ability to figure things out. And a lot of times we don't trust our ability to figure things out. We don't trust our ability to deal with hard things, but we can do hard things. We can deal with difficult things. And meditation and mindfulness really helps you to cultivate that sense of strength, that inner strength, that resiliency that we all have in us. The next one I want to talk about, or the next arm, which is the fifth arm, is satisfying relationships. Rift describes satisfying relationships as being filled with warmth, empathy, trust, mutual concern, give and take. A key part for satisfying relationships for me was, of course, going back to that foundation, self-acceptance. Because if we really want to love someone else, we have to love ourselves. Or else we put this unfair pressure or we start to have a lot of conflicts with another person because we don't feel they're suiting our needs or we're afraid of losing them or feel that we're not loved as much as we should. But really it's coming from a place of lack of love in our, in our own selves. Well, uh, uh, an example I think of is when I was younger, um, I hadn't really had like a serious girlfriend or anything like that, but I was dating this girl and, and I liked her a lot and things didn't go so well, but for so long I had been wanting a girlfriend. It had been something I, that had been on my mind, you know, I'd see other people with their girlfriends in high school and I was just like, dang. And, and after high school, and I was like, dang, I, I, you know, I want a girlfriend. So it was something that was ongoing. Like, I, I felt like I needed that. Like, I was missing that. And that, that was going to bring me s- some happiness. But this, I saw I was dating this girl, and it didn't go my way. Um, and I had the classic heartbreak, right, where f- just for months, I just felt this immense sadness. And it was constantly eating at me. In fact, like I even started running. I ran up to eight miles at that point just because my mind was so busy and I needed to do something with that. And running was very therapeutic at the time. And hey, running eight miles for me, like now I think like running eight miles, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. But I built up to that at that point. But anyway, the, the point is now when I look back at this, I see that I wasn't necessarily so heartbroken about not dating or, or being with this girl, I was more heartbroken because like, it felt like a chance at happiness was kind of shattered because I was really, like I had the, the super great feelings that come with infatuation, right? So I had all those and it made me feel like, oh, this is what I was missing. And, and then when it's gone, it's like, oh, I don't have this happiness anymore. It's gone. And I realized I was looking for happiness outside of myself. And I think that's a key part of a healthy relationship is you do need to accept and love yourself before you can love and accept anyone else. That's why a lot of people tell people before you get in a relationship, make sure that you do love yourself. Or if you are in a relationship and you don't, make sure you're working towards loving yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, you're going to find a lot of conflict and Your mind's going to create a lot of scenarios in that relationship that might not be true. And I've seen a lot of those relationships go south. But outside of just romantic relationships, what do people want in a relationship? They want to be, whether it be a father, son, daughter, son, brother, friendship, 
what whatever it is, wife, husband, whatever relationship it is, I think people want mutual trust where they feel like you both want the best for one another and you both trust that you have the other person's best interests in mind. You want to feel listened to. And when you're going through hard times, you want them to be there for you. Not necessarily solve solve your problems, but but just simply be there with you. And I think that's the biggest thing that meditation has helped to cultivate with me is that awareness. So when I am with someone, I'm fully with them. I'm not my mind isn't elsewhere where I'm hardly listening to them or where I'm hanging on to some ideas in my head that I want to get out as they're talking and I'm not even hearing what they're saying, where I don't seem interested in them. And a lot of times we we don't do this intentionally. It's just so easy to get lost in our own minds and our own concepts of how things should be. And and we push that on others. So there's there's this great comparison of of trees where like when we see these different trees, we're like, oh, look, that tree is a little bent. That tree. Oh, that tree has a lot of leaves or oh, look at this tree. But we're not like judging these trees or not accepting these trees because they look so different. But when it comes to people, we have such a hard time accepting them. We think, oh, he should be this way or she should be this way. He should do this. He should do that versus just accepting that person with where they're at. And so often it comes out in ugly ways and a person doesn't feel accepted. And I think that can really hurt relationships when a, a person doesn't feel like the other person accepts them or feels like they need to change them. And of course, I'm not saying that we can't give advice or try to help people. But when we do that with a certain awareness, we do it in a warm-hearted way. We do it in a way where, yes, we're accepting, but also, hey, I noticed this. This might help you. And then if they want it, if they want that piece of advice, awesome. If not, cool, that's okay too. You're going to love them anyway. That unconditional love where your acceptance of them is not going to change because they believe this or that or because they live their life this way and you think people should live their life that way. So I think that, that, that's huge for me in just acceptance. And I think with acceptance comes that natural warmth. When you accept someone and you feel accepted from someone, you feel that warmth and that ability to fully be yourself where you don't need to walk on eggshells or not talk about a certain topic or, or whatever it may be. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about loving kindness meditation. So loving kindness meditation can literally cultivate compassion. So if you're someone who feels like you lack compassion for others, loving kindness meditation can help you cultivate this. And this is something they talk about in this book as well and how compassion can, can, can be cultivated. And not only compassion, but compassion where you'll take action to help another person. So loving kindness meditation has also helped me a tremendous amount, especially if there's someone in my life, whether it be a friend, uh, someone I just weren't run into at work, uh, whoever, that I may have difficult feelings towards. Maybe there's that one person that, for whatever reason, they just kind of annoy you or rub you the wrong way. Maybe they are a jerk, but for, for whatever reason, they rub you the wrong way, right? So one thing that you can do in loving kindness meditation is you wish whoever comes to mind well. You wish them well. You're, you're wishing them well in life. You're wishing them 
physical happiness, mental happiness, all of those things. And through this meditation, what's crazy is when you see those people the next time, you do feel more love and compassion towards that person. Maybe that immediate sense of annoyance when you at the sight of this person, that, that's gone now. And when you see them, you're a lot more accepting and just the energy is different between you and that person. And that's what's really in, interesting is you could kind of feel like negative energy from someone. I know it sounds kind of like hippie or whatever, but it's true. When someone like doesn't like you, you can really feel it a lot of the time. Or, or when they're annoyed with you, they don't even need to say anything, but you can feel it. But with this loving kindness meditation, you can work with that. And, and through working with my own stuff, my own issues, you see that everyone's working with their issues. And at the end of the day, we really all want the same thing, which is happiness. And we just are at different points. And that's for different reasons. And one thing that kind of helps me is I, not a, when someone's a jerk or maybe someone who's not pleasant to be around, I don't just judge them on that alone. I try to think, okay, well, what led up to this point? What were all the steps that led to this person being a jerk or acting this way? And this just helps you to be more compassionate. And I think this can help you with your relationships as well. Because we do have family members who may not be pleasant to be around or friends who aren't always pleasant to be around. But cultivating that compassion so that we can understand that and also understand that, hey, they just want to be happy as well, but they're struggling and, and you can have empathy for them. And, and when opportunities arise, you can help them. So I think just being mindful of not only our own emotions, but our own journeys allows us to have compassion for other people. And it's awesome that there's meditations to cultivate love for others, even people we don't know. Now, this last arm of well-being is life purpose, something we all seek. We all seek purpose in this life, and we find it in different ways. So Riff describes life purpose as goals and beliefs that give a sense of meaning and direction. Goals, is, is, goals are something that we all have, but what I've found through my meditation practice is how to find goals that are, are really true to me. And once again, this goes back to self-acceptance, really accepting yourself where you're at. Because when we don't accept ourselves, our goals aren't really true to ourselves. So for example, I'm going gonna, gonna to go back to when I was fat. So probably like fourth grade through like seventh, eighth grade, I, I, was, I was chunky, right? I was a little thick. As my mom would say, I was husky, right? Buying me those husky pants. Uh, just a side note, I remember going to the store and my mom, <laughs> like she couldn't, I was short, but fat. So like I, uh, anytime we found pants that fit me, they're like way too long. So I always had either shorts that were super long and super low, or we had to get like pants that, that we would like take to a place to get tailored or, or whatever. But um, back, back to, sorry, that just came to my mind. I had to talk about that. But back to me growing up as a kid that was overweight, I, I grew up with this idea about myself that I, I wasn't good enough because of my weight. 
And we all know kids. Kids can be cruel. I think every kid has experienced some form of bullying or where someone said something harmful to them. It could be a lot. It could be a little. But all it takes is really that one time when someone says something hurtful to you and we believe it and we believe the thoughts that surround that incident. And it could completely change our path and, and how we view things, right? So anyway, once I got to high school, I, I was skinny. I was playing water polo. I hit my growth spurg, so my fat spread out. And now I was exercising every day, swimming a whole bunch. And, and I got skinny. But even though I was skinny now, I still didn't feel satisfied. So once I graduated high school, I set this, um, I saw my friend, Saro, he got super jacked. He had a six pack and I played water polo with him and stuff. And he, he's my day one. So I was like, dang, I want a six pack. And that had been something that I have always wanted. And I, I pursued it in different ways you know, I did the bro diet where like you're working out super hard and eating like two almonds on a piece of broccoli every day. But I, I couldn't get it. And um, so my goal was, okay, I'm going to get this six pack. So I hook up with Saro and he, and I'm actually his guinea pig. I'm his first person he ever coached and he coaches me and I, I get this six pack and, and I'm jacked. But once, once I'm jacked, I realize, well, especially now I realize maybe at the time I didn't realize, but now that I have this awareness, I, I kind of realize that this goal wasn't really true to me. I was chasing this goal because of the, the, these old ideas of myself. And this is why I was pursuing it. And I, I could see this because any day, like where maybe I ate a little more than I should have according to my macros, I might gain half a pound or something. But then I look in the mirror and I feel like, oh my God, like I'm losing my six pack. Some people might call it body dysmorphia or whatever. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't diagnose myself with that, but like I had this, this sense where it was escaping me, right? And my happiness was escaping me. And the point in this is like, this goal wasn't a true goal. This goal was, came from a place of lack. And when we set these goals from a place of lack, it doesn't really give us a fulfilling purpose. If anything, it causes us more anxiety and stress after we're chasing this goal because of the fear of not reaching it. Or in my case, once I had it, the fear of losing it. Right? So I think. What meditation has done for me is allowed me to come to a place where, of course, where I accept myself, as I said, a foundational piece of well-being. But now that I accept myself, I can be more honest with myself and I can be more true to myself and know, okay, what do I really care about? What's really important to me? What, what really makes me happy? And I'm more in tune with these things. And this kind of has just aligned with some of my life purposes. So, for example, this podcast, this podcast is a goal I had. I had my students earlier in the year make a vision board, and I made a vision board as well. And in this vision board, I had create a podcast. And the reason I wanted to create this podcast is because I used to do one with some friends, and it was a lot of fun. I like talking about, I like going deep with people. I like talking about personal growth and, and development and just life and its complexity and mystery. And I, I love it all. And it's just something that, that drives me. And really, this podcast, I hope, can help people in a way because I know through listening to podcasts myself, I've 
grown a lot. I've been introduced to new ideas, new ways of thinking about things. I've been introduced to ideas and trains of thought that challenge my own. And I think conversations are a platform for growth, a platform for our evolution as humans. And I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to have my own podcast. So that, that was a goal of mine, and now I'm doing it. And I think a key for me in, in having this goal, and this also comes back to meditation, is when, when I'm going into meditation, I'm not going into it with an end goal. Yes, I might want to be more relaxed or be more clear-minded or whatever it may be, but those are just benefits that come with it. When I'm actually going into meditation, I'm really just trying to be in each moment. And that's why I'm focusing on my inhale and exhale, because my inhale and exhale is part of this very moment, not part of the past, not part of the future, it's part of the now. So now when I'm approaching my goals, I try to approach it in the same way where I'm not tied to the end results. I don't know what this podcast will end up being. I don't know how long I'll do this podcast. Well, in my mind, I'm going to do it as long as I can, but I'm not tied to end results if this podcast will blow up or if this podcast is going to bring me some, some revenue or anything like that. I just know that I wanted to create this podcast and I'm going to keep doing it because it's something I enjoy. So this was a goal that was true to me. It was, it was really true to me. And I have other goals as well, but now that I've created this or cultivated this sense of mindfulness and awareness, this of my thoughts, my emotions, I'm more in tune with my own truth, what's right for me, what's not right for me. And that gives me a lot more purpose in everything I'm doing, just in, in everyday life. And on another note, um, another way that I think my meditation has, has given me another, some more sense of purpose is I feel more connected to everything. I remember one time we were, I was, I was younger and I was, I think in my mom or dad's car or something, we were driving and I just remember seeing someone in another car and then kind of thinking, wow, that's so strange. Like I'm in my own world right here. No one knows what I'm thinking or feeling unless I tell them. And no one knows what I'm experiencing. What I'm experiencing through my own eyes and in my own body is completely different than what this dude in his car is experiencing. And we're going to drive our separate ways, and I'm never going to know. And I just felt like this separateness where I was like, wow, like that's kind of sad and, and lonely. I, I mean, of course, at the time, I couldn't articulate it. But now when I look back, like I kind of see like I felt disconnected. But with meditation, you kind of see you start to to realize the impermanence of things and and how and when you're in the moment you start to realize how connected we really all are and how connected for example the simplest of things are to us or so like one thing that comes to mind think about the food on your plate the next time you eat and when you and Ashley uh, my wife is a person is who who shared this with me let's think about the food on your plate right and when you think about your food Let's think about a hamburger, right? You have a hamburger on your plate. Think about what it took to get that meat, that cheese, that bun, the lettuce, the tomatoes. I don't eat those. I just use ketchup, onions only, grilled onions. Um, but all those to get on your plate. So many things had to happen just for that meat to be on, on, on your plate. You know, they had to, they had to raise a baby, a baby cow until it was an adult. 
and hopefully it wasn't in factory farming or lived a terrible life. Um, but the point is, it took so many things. Not only did they have to raise this cow, feed it daily, they had to butcher it, then sell it to a store, and then people have to pick it up, uh, bring it to the store. Then the people at the store have to put it in the shelves, and then you grab the meat, and then you go to the counter and you buy it, and that person has to check you out, and you pay for it. And then you got to think about what did it take to get that money to pay for it. And the list, it goes on and on and on. And you just start to realize, like, wow, we're really all interconnected in so, so many ways. And we're really all navigating this life, kind of trying to figure out life, right? This life is a mystery. And I guess just having this awareness helps, helps me to kind of see these things where I'm not just stuck in my mind in my own world, but I could kind of really be in a moment and just see things. And I don't even know how to describe this. This might just be strange. I don't know. But sometimes when, like, I'm driving or when I go outside in the morning, like, I just get this intense feeling of joy just in the fact that I exist because I, I realize, like, how crazy that is, all the things that had to happen for me to exist. And just the, the beauty of life and the life everywhere, the trees, that's life, the birds. And you kind of just see the life in everything and the impermanence in everything. The fact that that bird I see today might be dead tomorrow. I could be dead tomorrow. None of, you know, life and death. And that's humbling in its own way and a mystery in its own way. But in a way, it also gives you purpose and, and appreciation in life. Now, I'm not really sure if that makes sense, but that's just kind of the feelings I get. Um, and I think meditation is a big part of that because I feel like I'm more in tune with myself and less in tune with that neighbor in my mind that tells me that's so focused on problem solving and analyzing everything instead of just simply being and existing and going through your day and enjoying it for, for what it is. So these are the, the six arms of well-being and Carol Risk model of well-being. And once again, I just wanted to share this because I've truly felt the power of or experienced the power of meditation to cultivate these capacities. And who doesn't want to be content in life? Who doesn't want to have well-being in their life? So I hope something in here resonated with you and I hope you give meditation a shot. 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. Just try it. And remember, there's a lot of different types of meditations. So experiment and see what's right for you. Thanks for tuning in. Lates.